Uh, turn with me to John chapter 16. As always, it seems like every time I preach that I'm preaching to you about myself. I mean, I don't know how else to relate, I guess. That's, that's just the way, you know, God deals with me about something and then it sounds good enough, I decide to share it with you, I guess is the way it goes. But, <laughs> but no, God begins to lay something on my heart. And, and you know, as we stated this morning in Sunday school, uh, judgment starts in the house of God, or it should. And, and likewise, it should start with the pastor before it hits you. So I want you to always be mindful of the fact that I've heard this before you did, and it applies to me probably as much, if not more, than it does to you. So keep that in mind as we go through this. And I know that almost sounds like a precursor to bad things to come, but it's not, I promise you. <laughs> but uh, have y'all ever start uh, thinking of yourself... I'm not trying to say in a lofty terms, but you start thinking, maybe I'm not as bad as I am. Maybe, I, you know, actually I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty decent guy, you know. You know, you compare yourself to people that you think of as not being as good as you are, right? That's just the, the way we naturally begin to think about people in this world. We see someone that we have judged as not being as good as us, and we start to kind of feel good about ourselves. And what God showed me is that when I come into the presence of God, I, I notice that I, the first thing I do is I begin to examine the sin in my life. I'm not talking about just when I pray. I'm talking about when, when you spend some time and the Holy Spirit comes in, you are in the presence of God, the first thing I want to do is start confessing my sin. Why is that? See, the Holy Spirit, if, if there's anything He does, He reveals sin in your life and convicts you of it, right? So let's look at John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, a lot of people want to stop with the Holy Ghost right there as the Comforter. But that's not His only purpose. Verse 8, And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness and of judgment. Reprove the world of sin. That is the first mention after the Comforter that Jesus makes of the Holy Spirit. His purpose is to reprove you of sin. Now what does reprove mean? Y'all know I love definitions. I don't like to assume I know what a word means. I want to see a real definition. Because sometimes my thinking can get skewed, right? One definition I found, there's many, is to excite a sense of guilt. To excite a sense of guilt. So like I said, when I come into the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
the first thing, sin is revealed in my life. You know why? You see, I've been in the presence of others that I've already, in my own natural understanding, deemed as not as good as me, right? And then I come into the presence of someone that's perfect and pure and holy. There's no fault in Him. No fault. Nothing dirty. Nothing, no little secrets. No, no kind of hidden agenda with Him. And what I do is I immediately begin to see I'm not as good as I thought I was. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been on this life, on this earth, or even how young you are and how little you have done in this life. When you come into that kind of presence, your sin is obvious. Your lack, your faults are obvious. Y'all ever heard the term a litmus test? Well, the real litmus test is to do this or that. What are they talking about? Well, there, there's a certain test you can do. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the litmus test was for. I don't remember. That's been ages ago in high school. But the whole point is that there are certain chemicals or elements on this earth that when they come in contact with another specific chemical, they change color. So you can use these to detect certain things. For example, you've all seen the show CSI, right? You watch these shows on TV and they always spray this little stuff and shine a light on it. What happens? If there's blood, it glows, right? See, there's a certain chemical you can put on there. It's not going to glow if it's orange juice. It's not going to glow if it's water or red food coloring. It's not going to work. It doesn't do the same. The only thing it glows under is blood. So see, there's certain things you can use to test and find out what something is. So when the Holy Spirit is applied to my life, what I thought was good, what I thought when I examined myself was not so bad, all of a sudden, sin is revealed. You see? I watched a show the other night, and you know, you looked at the, at the wall or whatever, and oh, it looks clean. And then they spray the little stuff on there and shine the light, and there's just blood everywhere. You can see evidence of it, right? That's how sin is in my life. I can When the Holy Spirit examines me and I examine myself and compare it to Him, that litmus test. See, He is the true test. He is where we're pointed to, what we should be going after. He is the perfect example of what we should and could be if it weren't for sin. And when He is applied to me, sin just it lights up. I see it. I just want to hang my head. Father, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. See, He sees us for what we are. When He looks at us, the truth is revealed. It doesn't matter how you feel about it, right? 
I've told you all that. I don't know how many times. Emotions and feelings are deceptive. What you think you know to be true can be wrong. When you apply that litmus test, you apply the Holy Spirit to you, and then all of a sudden, sin is revealed. You understand all immediately what I've been thinking was a lie. I've been thinking that these other people had problems they need to worry about when, my goodness, look at me. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. See, you get in His presence and you just want to confess. You just want to, you want, you want to be pure before Him. Because see, when you get in His presence, you see His pureness and His holiness. and There's just such a repulsion. It's like trying to put two magnets together. They just won't stay if they're the wrong. And if you don't turn them the right way. Why is this important? Most of y'all probably know this. I'm not revealing some great untold mystery. You know what I want to want you to get out of this? What I want you to be thinking about? This only happens when you get in the presence of the Holy Ghost. This only happens. I'm not talking about prayer time. I'm not talking about, Father, I need this. Father, you know, touch these sick people. Do this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about communion with Him. I'm talking about when you... When you just put everything else aside, no matter how busy you've been all day, no matter how tired you are, how sick you feel, and you just say, God, I want to spend some time with you. And the Holy Spirit comes into the room, just like it did as we were up here singing on the stage and everything. You could just feel the Holy Spirit come in. Anointing was in this place. When you get into that kind of a, of a relationship, sin's revealed. Now look at the, the contrary to that. When you don't get into that kind of relationship with God. When you stay on the outside edge. Yeah, I know God. I, He's in my heart. I love Him. But you never really push through and get into that communion, that holy of holies comes in and you begin to spend time with Him. You never get there. What happens? You begin to deceive yourself and say, you know, I'm not so bad. I'm not such a bad guy. Man, look at these other heathens all around me. I'm sure I'm glad I'm not like them. The devil will fool you. And you're probably sitting here, some of you may still be thinking, well, I'm not really that bad. I live a pretty clean life. Don't y'all remember what the Word says? If you've offended His law in any point, you're guilty of all of it. Look, even Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Paul, the guy that wrote a large portion, probably over half of the New Testament said he was the chiefest of sinners. Let's read that in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1 and 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, 
Who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry? Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? For I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. I want you to understand what that word is telling you right there. It's not just Paul claiming he's the chiefest of sinners. What he's saying is that when you have the realization that you are a sinner saved by grace, you can share that with somebody that don't know Jesus. But if you go to somebody that don't know Jesus and say, man, you're in terrible shape. Don't you wish you could be as good as me? What are they going to do? They're going to say, yeah, bye. See you later. See, Paul was telling you that I know I was the chiefest of sinners. I've done it all, man. But I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm on the other side. I've been washed clean. I am made whole. But I still remember how close I am at any given point to being just like you. I've been there. I've done all of those things. But you don't have to stay. See, that is the kind of mentality we need to have as Christians. As we go to try to talk to somebody, we can't tell them how bad they are and how sad their condition is when we're looking down the end of our nose at them. If you look at them eye to eye and you say, listen, brother, I know what you're going through. I I have the same kind of problems. I have the same issues, same battles and temptations you face. I face also. But there is hope. See, you got to reach people on the same level. You're not any better than they are. The only difference between you and anybody else in this world is you have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You've accepted His gift. You see, grace is still there for them also. This is still the age of grace. There is still grace and mercy to be found to help in a time of need. All they have to do is be pointed to the right direction and know that Jesus is willing to take them like they are. You see, when you go to them with a condescending attitude and you say, yeah, man, look how far I've came. You know what they're going to think? Even if they are accepting of what you're saying, they're going to think they've got to clean up to get to where you are. They can't do it. How many people have y'all ever heard say that? Oh man, I'm going to come to church as soon as I can get my life in order. They don't ever come, do they? They never will. Because they'll never get their life in order. If you were to compare me on that same basis, I might as well not come to church because my life ain't in order. Right? I still have sin. The only difference is, I take it to God. Say, Father, forgive me again. Wash me clean. Make me whole. I'm not trying to beat y'all up. Trying to give you some revelation. I want you to see where you sit. 
what the status is. I want you to know that... See, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget how far we've come and where we came from. And what's even worse is we forget how close we are to falling right back in the same way. If any of y'all have ever had any kind of addiction whatsoever, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's you're addicted to ho-hos. Whatever. And you try to quit. You know at any point, you're just this close all the time to going right back. And you know that's the case. God can deliver you from it, but you have got to walk in deliverance, right? You've got to be delivered and stand in that deliverance. That means that when the temptations come, you say, No, I'm a child of God. God delivered me from that. I have strength and power through Him and His Word. You know what that tells me? I'm not much better than anybody else in this world. There ain't but one thing that makes me better. See, God doesn't judge you by your works. Right? For salvation, you're not judged for works. Nothing I've did. Y'all, look, this ain't a Sunday school lesson. But nothing I've did, nothing I've ever done, makes me worthy to receive what He's given me. I've got to remember that. I've got to remember 20 years from now, I don't care where I'm at, what I'm doing, nothing I've done is going to make me worthy. So you may be thinking, well, I'm not so bad. It don't matter. That's not what He looks at. You know, there's a whole lot of things in this world I haven't done and don't plan on doing. But it doesn't matter. I don't care if the guy sitting here in front of me was on death row for killing 15 families and kids and everything. I don't care. That's not how God judges him. God doesn't judge him on his works as far as is he worthy to receive. Oh, he'll be judged if he don't repent, right? But that's not the criteria with which he is accepted. You're accepted by grace. Right? Grace. Unmerited favor. Nothing you can do to earn it. So, as we go forward, as you interact with people in your life, think about that. Remember, I'm no better than they are in God's eyes, other than the blood that covers me. See, He sees you through that... He sees you through that blood. That's the difference. When He looks at you, He sees what Jesus did. He sees Jesus' merit. He sees what He was worthy of. That's what it means when they say His righteousness was put on our account. It's not my righteousness. If it was mine, you know where I'd be? I'd be right there with the rest of them that don't know Jesus. I'd still be doing everything unimaginable. But His righteousness is put on my account. Thank God. 
Oh, I thank God all, so much. Man, when I was praying last night, I just said, Lord, thank You that I'm not judged by what I've done. Thank You that I'm judged by what Jesus did. And oh, I'm so grateful for that gift. So grateful.